Would you pray with me? I'm going to pray these words from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Father, it is our praise to you that you are this God worthy of this praise. May it be that we would come to know you. I pray in these moments, Father, that we would encounter you this morning through your word. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, the first thing I want you to imagine with me this morning is I want you to think about a time that that you were long waiting for something to happen or someone to come. So, so think back, you know, when, when was it when you long waited for this? It, you know, maybe you're thinking about as a kid, it was Christmas Day, or, or it was your birthday, or, or you were waiting for um, uh, being able to um, get your driver's license or graduate from high school, or, or later on you're waiting for to land that job or to get that promotion or uh, for God to lead you to your spouse or, or to have children. Um, or uh, to get a bonus, or, or maybe you're waiting for that, that illness to be healed, or that, that broken relationship to be healed. We, we know what it's like to be waiting for a long time for something. So how do you feel when that which you have been long waiting for arrives? That's the overarching metaphor that I want us to sit with while listening to and engaging with our text this morning. So our text is from John 1 this morning. And for many of you who, when you came in, you received a piece of paper that has a lot of words on it. Um, Our our text is pretty long this morning, and I'll be reading through it in different sections. But, um, and it's really important to me that if you have your Bible with you, you pull out John 1 and you follow along. And and I gave many of you, or many of you received this uh, sheet of paper so that just in case you don't have your Bible, or just in case you don't like pulling it up on your phone, you can follow along in this sheet of paper. We'll be reading through John 1, verses uh, 19 through 51, in, in a few different sections. So before we start that first section, I want to give you just a little bit of the context that's going on as we enter into this passage. So the community of Jewish people was a community characterized by or, or grounded in their waiting for the Messiah, the anointed who would redeem them and punish the people who were oppressing them. It's kind of like the Jewish community had been waiting for, you know, you fill in the blank, you, you wait for Christmas Day or you wait for something to be healed. They were waiting for that for 700 years since, since the words of Isaiah prophesied the coming of this Messiah, or for some of them even longer since God's promise to David of a forever kingdom, or, or for some even since um, Moses' writing in Deuteronomy about the prophet that was to come. The Jewish people 
are waiting for the promised Messiah. So into that context, we we enter our passage this morning and we read what the Apostle John wrote in verse 19 in chapter 1. He says, now this was John's testimony, that is John the Baptist, when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make way, make straight the, the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So I want us to think about this section and and think three questions. What do you notice? What does it mean? And how does this apply to your life? So first, what do you notice? If I I notice just the, the context of this passage within the greater words of Scripture, I see that, okay, the context of Scripture, there there were lots of prophets throughout Scripture. If I look in the Old Testament, I see that Elijah and Amos and Isaiah, Micah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Haggai, Zechariah, Joel, Malachi, 450 years of rich, exciting, sometimes confusing, sometimes scary, hope-filled prophecy. And then what happens between Malachi's prophecy that ends the Old Testament and the events recorded in the New Testament is 400 years of silence. God not speaking to his people through prophets. So then you move to this after this 400 years of silence. Then you have if you, you, John coming onto the scene. So we have these prophecies recorded in the Old Testament. They spoke of um, and pointed toward an anointed one, a Messiah who would save his people. So we have this message from the prophets, then this time of silence, and then John steps on to the scene. So John steps onto the scene, and, and another thing we observe is that the religious leaders, they have some reasonable questions for him. He's getting lots of attention. He's beginning to remind people of the prophets of long ago that they read about in God's word. So these Pharisees, even if maybe with questionable motives, they're asking John, you know, are you Elijah? Are you the, the Messiah? Are you the prophet? They, they know that if John answers in the affirmative, then he's going to threaten some of the authority that they have enjoyed and some of the power and the privilege that they have enjoyed. So they're sent to investigate John. 
Other things we can observe is that John is obviously, he's dynamic and fascinating. If he's um, preaching in such a way that he's reminding people, after 400 years of silence, he's reminding people of the prophets of old, then there's something pretty dynamic about what John is bringing as he speaks and ministers. We also see that John is humble. He's pointing not to himself, but to one greater than him, to one who will come after him. So what does this mean? If, if, if I think about these things we've observed, what, is, what does this text mean? When we understand the context of what we read about the religious leaders through the New Testament, we can see um, kind of underneath the surface in this passage that the religious leaders have a belief system that supports their ongoing power and privilege. They want by any means to protect that power and privilege, so they send messengers to investigate John, who is a possible threat to their power and privilege. We think about this John. He had a message that was gaining momentum, and he not like the Pharisees trying to protect whatever reputation and power he was receiving, but John is actually placing attention away from himself and onto someone greater than him. So we, we see these contrasting examples, the, the Pharisees trying to maintain power and privilege, and John pointing to someone who deserves honor and, and attention. So the question, next question is, how does this apply to our life? Are we in the practice of protecting our power and privilege or pointing to the honor and power of someone greater? Now, one might say, well, you know, it's more complex than that. And that's true. And the question still has value, I think. It is important for us to realize and acknowledge what passions are fueling us. What, what, what fuels me getting up in the morning? What, what um, fuels me to get on social media and, and write a bunch of things? What, what are the passions that fuel us? When you get up in the morning, are you thinking about all that you are going to accomplish today to better yourself, to get more money, to, to enjoy life? Um, is that what's getting you up in the morning? Or are you thinking about, God, you've given me another day. How do you want me to serve you this morning? When you get onto social media, you're thinking, how am I going to show everybody how I know what's going on? Or when you get on, media, on social media, are you thinking about, how am I going to point everyone to the God that I love and worship? I think that's an important question for us to wrestle with. John is gaining a large hearing, but he's not getting a large head. He keeps humbly pointing to Jesus. If your life, or rather, is your life more about you or Jesus? I want to encourage us to wrestle through these things. Are we pointing to Jesus? Now, there's a main point in each of these sections that, that is going to be a common main point as we hit each of these sections. And, and the main point is this. The common main point is this. Jesus is the Messiah. So in order to, um, to remind us of that, I'm going to ask Bill Baugh to do something, and he doesn't know I'm going to do this. Um, but every time we finish this section, I'm going to ask Bill to remind us what is the common, the common main point in each of these sections. And Bill's simply going to stand up or say in his loud voice, Jesus is the Messiah. 
So Bill, what is, the, what is the main point in this section that's common to the others? Jesus is the Messiah. Amen, Bill. We want to remember that. We're going to get back to that in each section. So the next section is this, John 1, 29 through 34. Let's look at that together. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, and I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man who, on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So we want to look at this section as well and ask these three questions. What do we observe about this? What, uh, what does this mean? And how does it apply to our life? The first observation that I make is this title that John gives Jesus. He calls them him the Lamb of God. That is a packed title that we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. The next observation that we can make is, is John's testimony in verse 32, when he says, um, he says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. So John is telling, he's referring back to when he baptized Jesus and the Spirit of God came down on Jesus like a dove. You can read about that a specific time in, in Matthew 3 or, Luke, or um, Mark 1 or Luke 3. So John is referring back to that um, uh, when, when he baptized Jesus. Another observation we can make is we looked at that John says Jesus is the one, the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He is God's chosen one. That's a pretty significant thing to notice that John is claiming. So what does all this mean? When John calls uh, Jesus, the Lamb of God, he's, he's referring back to, you know, everything the Jews would have known about the sacrificial system where there's a lamb that the, the sins of the people are put on the lamb. The lamb, in a sense, takes away the sin of the people. The lamb um, is, is a substitutionary, uh, dies a substitutionary death for the people. So John calls Jesus the Lamb of of God. So he's saying there's something this Jesus is going to do to make to to um, to pay for our sins. That's a significant thing. There's something this Jesus is going to do to cleanse us in a deep way that we cannot otherwise be cleansed. So another thing we can realize, what does all of this mean? The spirit resting on Jesus. So we read prophecies in the Old Testament in Isaiah 11.2 and Isaiah 42.1 about the Spirit being poured out on the Messiah. So this is a significant thing. As the Spirit is poured out on him, it's identifying, he's identifying Jesus as the Messiah. 
I can also think about what this means when I think about um, Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is then going to, not only does Jesus have the Spirit, but the Spirit is going to be made available, poured out on others, on God's people, as Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Again, this is something that was prophesied in Isaiah 32, 15, and Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27, and 37, 14. So many things that are prophesied in the Old Testament are being revealed, are taking place, are coming to fruition right now before their very eyes. The Messiah has arrived. What they've been waiting for has arrived. This is what circumcision has been pointing to for thousands of years. Now, now you're thinking, what? what are you talking about? Stick with me for a minute. Physical circumcision pointed to the need for circumcision of the heart, for cleansing of the heart. Nobody could circumcise or cleanse a heart. John preaches the need to repent, and his physical water baptism is a physical symbol for cleansing. What really needs cleansed or circumcised or baptized is our heart. It's always been about our heart. John tells people that Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cleanse, circumcise, baptize our heart. That is the heart cleansing that humanity has been needing and Scripture has been pointing to since the fall. And John reports that the Messiah is here to baptize, to cleanse our hearts with the Holy Spirit. The Messiah will be carrying out that to which all of the circumcisions of the past were pointing, that to which all of John's baptisms were pointing, that for which the entire sacrificial system shows humanity's need. There is a Messiah who will cleanse, circumcise, baptize our heart with the Holy Spirit. This is incredible news that John is giving to the people. So you ask then, how does this apply to us? If my heart needs cleansed, if your heart needs cleansed, and it does, and if we can't do it, and we can't, then we need the one who baptizes, who cleanses hearts with the Holy Spirit. Have you received the gift of the cleansing work of the Holy Spirit through putting your faith in Jesus? If you have, then rejoice. Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you haven't received the cleansing gift of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus, then keep listening. The main point that this section delivers, common to the other sections in this, is Bill, remind us. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. Thanks, Bill. So let's go on to the next section. We look at John 1, 35 through 42. And we read these things. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. 
Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means, which is translated Peter. So, our three questions again. First, what do we notice? We notice again that Jesus, that John calls Jesus the Lamb of God. And this time, the disciples have had a little more time to process that. And, and they're actually, they see John pointing to the very one that he's calling uh, the Lamb of God. So what do the disciples do, or what do these two do that John is talking to? They follow Jesus. They, they drop everything and they follow Jesus. And then it's also good to notice what Andrew does. One of the first things he does after following Jesus is he tells someone else about Jesus. He goes and tells Peter about Jesus. So what does this mean and how does this apply to us? And I think the answer is pretty clear in it. Um, it is that if you believe Jesus to be the Messiah, then leave the life of living for yourself and follow him. And, like Andrew did, tell others about him. One of the main points in this section that is common to the other sections is what, Bill? Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. We could read it through the last section, but I, I don't want to take time to right now to read through the last section. I want to encourage you to, you have your, your sheets. Um, I want to encourage you this week sometime to read through that last section and to ask those questions, that last section of um, verses 43 through 50. I want you to read through that and, and answer those questions. What do you observe? What does it mean? And how does this apply? You can also go to the Amplify Guide, which you can go to our homepage and scroll to the bottom and click on Amplify Guide. And in there, in the Inward Spiritual Practices, you'll find all of this and more to help you walk through this passage and continue to study this passage this week. It's, it is my heart that, that we, when we teach something on a Sunday morning, that, that through teaching, through prayer, through worship together, that we are encountering the living God on Sunday morning. And it is my prayer that it's not just you, you receive some teaching and some worship on Sunday morning, but that throughout your week, that you would go back and revisit that in some way, that you would continue conversation with the Lord about the, the text that we are um, teaching on and talking about together as a church family. As you read through that last section, verses 43 through 50, you will see again a main point that is common to the other main points in these uh, other passages. And what is that, Bill? Amen. So we're all waiting for something. 
We have unmet longings. We long for something or someone to save us, right? To save us from illness or to save us from loneliness or to save us from brokenness. We long for someone or something to save us. Jesus, the Messiah, steps onto the scene as God in the flesh to mend our broken world. Following Jesus is part of the path to restoration, personal and global restoration. Completion is not immediate, but it is assured. Transformation is not instant, but it has begun. Jesus is the Messiah and he changes everything. Are you following Jesus the Messiah? If not, I invite you to consider this prayer that I want to take a moment to pray right now. God, I need you. I am sorry for all my sins, for the many ways I've lived my life for me rather than for you. I now put my trust in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that in him I come face to face with you, God that through his death and resurrection, he rescues me, making me right with you, bringing me into relationship with you, God. I accept his gift of forgiveness and new life, his cleansing work of the Holy Spirit. I turn from a life lived for me and choose a life lived for you. Lead me into the life you intend for me, Lord, and I will follow. In your name, Jesus, I pray this. Amen. If you stepped into this relationship of following Jesus, then I encourage you, tell someone about it. If you have been following Jesus, then I invite you to commit afresh to following him more closely. I want you to just ponder some of what we've said for a moment as our praise and worship team comes up and leads us in a response this morning. But pause for a moment and just have some, a, a moment of quiet with the Lord and ask him what he wants you to be hearing through this passage this morning.